forward today. No turning back, no looking back. In Jesus' name, we thank you that there's only one direction that you're going, and that's forward. And because we follow you, we are going forward this morning in every arena of our lives. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for the word of God that brings life to us. And I just pray today, if you're here and you need healing in your body, would you just lift your hands? We're going to all agree today with you for healing right here, over here, over here. If somebody around you has got their hand up, please go and put your hand on them. Let's pray. The Bible says that by his stripes, we were healed. It's not going to happen. It has happened. And so today we receive it by faith. We thank you, Lord, for the healing power of Jesus. Things we don't understand, we know you do understand, Lord. And you can give us wisdom to know what our part is to do, to win in this arena. Today we ask you for supernatural intervention with understanding of what needs to be done and also the strength and the wisdom to do what you're asking us to do, to see your mighty hand work on our behalf. I bind restlessness in the name of Jesus, restlessness in your thinking, restlessness in your actions, just, just uneasiness. I bind that in the name of Jesus because it pulls away the strength of the healing power of God. And I speak a calmness and a peace over all of you today. In Jesus' name, in that place of rest, you will receive what God has for you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Hallelujah. Well, before you're seated, we're going to make our confession. We're, we have a new one that we're speaking right now. And if you haven't been here with us, uh, just felt this was the one we were to focus on for right now in this church. So if you'll say it with me, I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen? Amen. You can be seated. I heard uh, that. I hear it when I go out to Tulsa. I hear Pastor Paul Doherty out there give this confession, and I, I've always really, uh, it always really blesses me when we say that, and I felt this year that it's, it's just a, a year to make confession of what you believe. Uh, I want to say this, what, what uh, Kelly said, the word of the Lord right after uh, the, off, or the worship this morning, uh, that was the Holy Spirit of God because many, many Christians are meditating on things that are depleting them of strength to accomplish the things that God has for them. And it's negativity. Whatever it is today, and I can say this because in my life, uh, this isn't even the message, so this is just because of what she said. And I almost came up and had us pray right then because um, years ago, in the beginning of my walk with God, I was so focused on and broken on what had happened and what was happening to me that I couldn't think of what could happen to me. I knew Jesus. I, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. In fact, last Sunday, I was so blessed when I got home last year. Uh, 41 years ago, last Sunday, that date, the 22nd, I was saved. And I know God told me that your inheritance will be souls. And so I just thought it was so nice that that's the day he chose to pray over all the families in this church. Uh, and I went home and prayed over families that I knew weren't here and, and other parts of my family that weren't here. But, you know, um, when I got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, there were so many people who wanted to get me delivered now, there's nothing wrong with deliverance. In fact, I believe in deliverance. you got to get the devil out of the picture. But I never had victory till I moved to Tulsa, and I began to speak the word of God instead of anything else. I stopped thinking about what could have been, would have been, should have been, uh, what I messed up, what other people messed up. I stopped totally. It totally changed my direction. And then when, we, when Bill and I married and went to Tulsa, and we're in Billy Joe's church, that was like the infilling of all that word. Every week, there were speakers, and the word will wash over you. It says that in Ephesians 5. Wash, you know, you wash people with the water of the word. When that word went in and began to come out my mouth, it brought me to that level that God wanted me to be to go forward. 
we will never go forward today thinking backward. You know, I was, uh, my car wasn't working right this week, and I had to uh, drive a, a rental car. And, and the new uh, edge has this, you know, the mirror's there on the side, but then it's got this other little mirror. And it's supposed to help you not miss the blind spot. But when I looked in that mirror, all I could see, I couldn't figure out which thing to look at. And I was looking backwards. And how many of you know when you come up off of the levee, up onto Union Street, over Harrison Bridge, they're flying through there. And they don't always like to move over, even if they could. And so, you know, I'm real cautious when I go up there. But I was trying to look backward and go forward at the same time and nearly went over somebody who was in front of me. We cannot go forward and look backward at the same time. So today, uh, we're going to finish on four to five families, and we're going to talk about your family. Last week, in this service, I shared a little bit. But because we were praying for families, in the second service, it took the entire time and a little bit over to to pray for everybody. So this, some of this will be a little review for those of you that were here first service. But uh, we also didn't get it recorded, what did get said. So this is the one that's going to go up on the web. And I believe there's people who need to hear it. So we're going to start with Matthew 16, 16 through 18, which was the scripture I felt God gave me for this, uh, for this series. And that is that God is the one who is uh, the one who gives revelation of who Jesus is in our life. It isn't going to be you or somebody telling you. It's a revelation that has to come out of the inside. And Simon Peter answered Jesus when he asked him, who do you say that I am? He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then I want to go on from there through 18. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. All revelation from heaven has to come into you from heaven. Now, sometimes it comes when you hear somebody speak, but the revelations that really will hold you and keep you are the revelations you hear individually, and somebody else addresses it, but it only confirms what you've already heard. That is a revelation that nobody can take away. So that was given to Peter. I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want all of you to say the gates of hell will not prevail against me, my house, or those I pray for. You know, when we take a defense of being a watchman uh, for even other people, then the gates of hell have to stand back, and we go forward. Everybody say, I go forward. And um, Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit, because within us is the builder. Everybody say, within me is the builder of my house. Uh, First Peter 2 talks about that we are living stones being built, built up into a spiritual house and that Jesus is the cornerstone of that house. And a cornerstone in the house is a very important part of the house. So when Jesus is in us, then God can build the house, not just our house individually as a person, but our own home, wherever we live. And this applies whether you're single, married, divorced. You know, one thing about the word of God it isn't based on your marital status. Isn't that good? It's based upon who you are individually in your walk with the Lord. And so today I want to talk about um, a covenant relationship that God made. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. You all know this scripture. We talk about it a lot in this church. But this was a covenant that God made. God made covenant uh, before this, you know, but uh, this is the covenant that the covenant we're in is based upon. And so we're going to look at it today. You all know and have heard Father Abraham, Father Abraham. Many sons has Father Abraham. That was a, a promise of a covenant that God made with Abraham, which most of you in here this morning know. But this is what his word was. Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you, which is a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Everybody say families. God is a family God. 
He is a God who cares about families. And I'm going to share that with you today a little bit further. But if you go to Genesis 15, this is what he ultimately said to Abram. And he said, after these things, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what shall you give me seeing I go childless? Well, God had a an answer for that. He had a a child, a promised child, Isaac. And uh, he goes on and says, um, he, well, he explains, Abram explains to him, the only, the only relative I have is a relative that's not of my own body. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, saying, but one who will come from your own body will be your heir. Now, Abram's old. He goes on and, and he actually uh, performs a covenant Right there, it goes on in verse uh, 8 where Abram says, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? And he says, bring me a three-year-old heifer. Everybody everybody say covenant. God is about to make a covenant. Now, it's the blood of an animal, but he makes a covenant right there. What is he saying? This is a promise that I am making that I will never break. You will have a son. You will have descendants. I am making a covenant with you. And he, and he actually uh, performs that covenant while Abram's asleep. But in verse 18, it says, On the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, he said, To your descendants, I have given this land. Everybody say, God cares about where I live. Now, you may say, well, now God isn't interested. You know, my daddy said to me once when I first got saved, he's, I, I was telling him all these things God was interested in, you know, my bills and all these things. And, and daddy said, Pam, God's too busy to be interested about all those things. Well, no, God perfects everything that concerns me, Psalm 138.8. So God does, he, he wants to at least have a voice in my life of where I live. When Pastor Bill and I finally found a home here, and it wasn't right when we built the church or started the church, it wasn't for uh, three, four, five years before we got a house. But when we got that house, it's in the sanctuary. And I don't have time for that story today, but I want to tell you, God said to me, you live in the sanctuary and you stand in the sanctuary. And I don't believe it's any accident that I live in a place called the sanctuary. In fact, I was really shocked when I saw the sign, but I had to know that that was the spirit of God. God cares about where we live. He's going to make a place for his people. He's going to make a place for your family. Wherever you are right now in your life, God will make a place for you. If you have to move for some reason, then there's a place for you because God has a a piece of land that belongs to you. To your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of Euphrates. The Kenites, the Kenizzites, well, all those ites live there. But God's going to take care of them. Everybody say he'll take care of them. Anything that would inhibit you or stop you from inheriting all that God has for you, God will take care of. And the only condition to all of this is that we obey him, that we just obey him. In verse 17, or chapter 17, verse 1, when Abram was 99 years old. Now, that's really uh, looking like it's past time for what God has promised. And uh, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Well, isn't that the beginning in Genesis 1? Be fruitful and multiply, have dominion over the earth. So God is saying the very covenant I made in the garden of Eden, I am making that covenant with you. And I'm even going to give you a place to live that's flowing with milk and honey. And so it goes on to say in verse uh, 19, then God said, no, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him. So God doesn't just care about Abraham. He's now speaking of his descendants. So in your household, where you live today, to fortify your household, you have to believe that the covenant that you have with God is the same covenant that God is going to have with your children. You and your household. Everybody say, me and my household. Joshua said, as for me and my house. What was he saying? I am in a covenant, and my choice is that we will serve God. And that was the end of that decision. Um, God made a promise that Isaac would be the next person 
that he entered into that covenant with. And if you look at Genesis, you will see that God made that same promise to him and then to, to Isaac. And then he made it with his son, Jacob. He chose the one out of that family that he was going to continue to send seed through that would be part of that covenant. That's why God hates divorce. If you read in Malachi, and I'm not throwing stones here because you all know I've been divorced twice. So I've messed this up more than one time. But I want to tell you, it's because of children. He says that it's the seed. It's the seed. That's why God gets upset over divorce. It's the seed. Godly seed. Everybody say godly seed. Because if the enemy gets a place, then he's going to go for the seed. To fortify a household, you have to believe you are in covenant with God. And everyone under that roof is in covenant with God. And they are descendants of yours. And God is going to make a way for them. And so if you look in Deuteronomy, that's where I had you last week. In Deuteronomy chapter 6. You know, we know that they failed to enter. They didn't get in the promised land, just like Kelly said this morning. But God didn't give up on his plan. He didn't give up on a covenant. Everybody say a covenant. And so in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy is where he says, and this is what I believe uh, for every household has to happen. I was blessed. My mother, uh, all my life, I've gone to church. Sometimes, well, I don't think I ever liked it till I got to be about 18, 19. Uh, and, because I didn't like somebody telling me I had to go to church. And, you know, I want to sleep on Sunday. Well, what's that got to do with it? See, it... If you listen to these two chapters, it will tell you exactly how to handle your family concerning honoring God. Everybody say honoring God. And if they don't honor God when they're in your house, you can, you have a promise. Train a child up in the way he should, should go and he will not depart from it. You can train them in your house and we're all called to train our children in our house to love God. But honor God. Everybody say honor God. And that's putting God first ahead of everything else somewhere in their life in, in, as they grow up. And for me, it was church. And mother took us always. And, uh, you know, my grandma looked like she, if we'd acted up, she was going to take us out right there in church. Molly in her high-heeled shoes. Remember those black high-heeled shoes? Always wore black, sat on the front row, acted like she was bored and didn't like it. But she loved God. And if you, if you even gave her a chance, she started talking about how much she loved God. And then we'd wish she'd just bake cookies. Hallelujah. But this is what it says. Now, this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, respect, reverence, honor, to keep all his statutes and commandments which I command you, you, your son, your grandson, all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your might. And these words, I added might, because that's what it says over in the New Covenant. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you bind them as a sign on your hand and you shall be frontlets and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, out of our mouth, our, our children, uh, our mates should continually hear the truth of the word. Now we don't go around the house saying thus saith God. But what we, what we live, what we teach, that's what he's saying. These things have to happen in your household for you to inherit this land. He goes on and says, so it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into that land of which he swore to your fathers, he will give you a large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill. Well, who's going to do all that? The Lord is as you do what God tells you to do. I can remember, uh, Annabelle may not remember this, but I remember we were shopping. It's the store in the mall that's it's right up, um, in, up from Macy's, up those steps, and it's on the right, and it's a kid's store. What's the name of that place? The Limited Two, and I had her in there, and she wanted something. And we looked in the stack, 
and there weren't any of the things. The, the thing she wanted was not there, remember? And we finally found it. We, we dug through other piles. I, I was praying, and when we found it, I said, hallelujah. She goes, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, that's because in her mouth was already the word. And so her thanks was not, thank you, Grandma. It was, thank you, Jesus, because that has to be her source for her life. You know, she's, a, she's in college now. You know, I don't, I don't chain myself to her and walk around campus. And her mother doesn't either. We have been excommunicated from that. And so, you know, we're not, a, we're not in the house with her. But in her life, she is in the house. And so whether there's things that happen that don't go right, those things don't move me at all because I know who's in the house. See, when your focus is on who's in the house, then you know they're going to be okay. You just got to protect them from what the enemy might be trying to do and bind the devil, put a hedge around them to protect him. But God is in the house because he's been taught in the house. He's been spoken of in the house. You know, long time ago, God showed me from about grade school. Well, actually, before they're even in grade school is the most critical time where children are trained for a lot of things. But from, from birth to about 12, it's, you really do have control because they're, they're little. They're under your control. From 12 to 18, we're supposed to teach them to be under God's control. Could I say that again? 12 to 18 is when you teach them to be led by the Holy Spirit because if you don't teach them and you just throw them over there in college, they're not going to hear anything but what they hear from all of their peers because guess what? They're making their own decisions now. I can remember saying to my mother, I don't have to do that. Well, when I was in her house, if I didn't do it, I went to my room. When I got out of her house, if I didn't do it, God took care of it. How many of you would rather be your mom than God sometimes? Because we, we have to be training the people that are in our sphere of influence that God is their source. You know, I got a call yesterday. I leave for Mexico on Thursday morning real early. And uh, I have a spiritual daughter down there, Gina. And, oh, she was so excited. Mama Pam, you're coming. Mama Pam, I can't wait to see you. Mama Pam, Mama, that's what she calls me, Mama Pam. Well, spiritually in her life, you know, when I get there, she's going to want to talk to me about things because she knows I'm going to tell her what I believe God is saying. You know, she has other spiritual mamas too, I'm sure. But we have a responsibility, everybody say a responsibility, to live and to give what God has put on the inside of us. So in this scripture, in the rest of this scripture, it even says in verse 20, when your son asks you in time, in time to come, saying, what is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? How many of you ever ask your kids, why do I have to go to church? Well, we go to church because we love God, because he has delivered us from every work of the enemy. And we give him this little bit of time every week to lift him up and speak and, and praise him and encourage other people because we're called to fellowship. And that's why we do it, because God has taken us out of darkness and brought us into his marvelous light. And that's what it says right here. That's what you tell him. It, of course, it's out of Egypt, but thank God we're not in Egypt. Egypt for us may have been for you different than me, but it was a place of bondage. It was a place where the devil had charge of our lives. And he goes on and he talks and he says in verse 6, in chapter 7, verse 6, you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number or because you were the least of the people, but because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. Everybody say covenant. The Lord has brought you out with his mighty hand, redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the house of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore, know that the Lord, your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face and to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. You know, um, I was as I was studying all of this, and I was thinking about today. Um, I, I don't know why, but I read Genesis 24 this week in my Bible reading, and um, I'm not preaching this today because parents have the right to make their children marry somebody. But I want to share this with you 
to help you understand how important it is that as a parent, as a young person, if you're sitting here, that you marry the right person. Your house is going to be built on a foundation of your relationship with Jesus. But if the person you're married to hasn't got their house built on the same one, there's not going to be a, a stable home. There's not going to be a place where God can do what he wants to do. And people, you know, I've always quoted Amos 3.3, you know, don't be unequally yoked. You know, don't, you know, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? But um, in, in the day of the old covenant, of course, people picked the mates for their children. But um, Abraham, his son, Isaac, was the son that would perpetuate the covenant. In other words, Abraham knew God, but his son had to know God because he was going to be the next one in line that had to lead the people of Israel. Eventually, whoever came out of that line was going to lead the people of Israel, Joshua, in the end. But see, way back here with Isaac, it was important that he got it. Because if Abraham was the only one who got it and Isaac didn't get it, then how's it going to go from generation to generation? And so it, to, to Abraham, it was critical that his son married into a line or lineage. Everybody say lineage. If you read the lineage of Jesus, you can trace it all the way back to Abraham. So marriage is very important to God. And uh, I say this today because I felt like God told me to share it. And uh, Annabelle, I'm not preaching this to you, honey, so don't, just don't get mad at Grandma. Okay, here we go. Uh, <laughs> I say that because she's my granddaughter. You know, sometimes, you know, people think, go home and they think, yeah, God, was, God used them to just, to just read my mail. Well, you know, I'm not reading anybody's mail today, but if God quickens you to something, he's reading your mail. I'm not reading anybody. I'm reading his word, okay? The mail may get delivered to your house. Sorry for it. Sorry for you. But, you know, it, it, I have to preach what God gives me. And when I saw this, I want to show you the importance of God in this transfer, if you will, from Abraham to Isaac. God wants to fortify homes today. He wants to make sure that our children are raised with the same values, the same system that, that we're supposed to, to it, we inherited it, they're supposed to inherit it. But they have to choose. Everybody say they have to choose. And so sometimes, you know, they choose otherwise, but they'll come back. We have that promise. It says, when Abraham was old and well advanced in age, the Lord blessed him. And, and he was blessed in all things. Why was he blessed in all things? Because God said he would be. He was in covenant with God. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of the house, you ruled over, who ruled over uh, all that he had. Please put your hand under my thigh. I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of Canaanites among whom I, whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country, to my family, and take a wife for my son, Isaac. And the servant said, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, beware that you do not take my son back there. Well, see, his family, what did God tell him? I read it earlier in Genesis 12. Get out of your father's country, didn't he? So he's saying, no, you cannot take my son back where I came from. Take my son to where I'm telling you to take him. And so he says, but what if she doesn't come? He said, well, don't take him back to where I came from. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, who spoke to me and swore, to your descendants I will give this land. He will send his angel before you. He will take a wife for my son from there. Everybody say, God knows. God knows. So Abraham swore that his servant swore he would do it. So the servant takes off, goes to this land, and he says, when he gets there, he's got his camels, he's outside this city, and it's time for the women to go draw water. I don't know why the women always have to do the drawing of the water. Hallelujah. I guess because the men dig the well. Did you see them pushing that thing? I'm glad I wasn't asked to do that. Okay. Then he said, oh, God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by this well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be, now listen to this, let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels 
a drink. Let her be the one. Now, that seems kind of crazy, doesn't it? You know, uh, go down to the Wabash, say, God, you know, here I am. You know, whoever comes and says this. I mean, this is, but everybody say, God knows what he's doing. And so when he prayed this prayer, he was a man that he had sworn to his master, I'm going to get the right woman. (laughs) I'll bring back the right one. And it happened before he had finished speaking. That behold, Rebekah, who was born of Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out of her pitch with a pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold a virgin. No man uh, to behold a virgin. No man had known her, and she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, "Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher." So she said, "Now watch this." She said, "Drink, my lord." Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand, gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also. What did he pray? That this woman would be not only willing to give him a drink, but would offer. See, he asked for the drink, but she would offer to take care of his camels. I don't know what that says about her. But that's what she did until they have finished drinking. So she's going to take care of his livestock. Well, a long story short, she does that. He, he asks whose daughter she is. And then in verse 26, he says, the man of God bowed down his head, worshiped the Lord. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master, Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And so the young woman ran on home told um, Laban about this man. Uh, and, and so, long story short, then when, when, a, uh, when Abraham's servant gets there, he, they offer to feed his camels, take care of his livestock, but they also offer him dinner. And he said, listen, I can't eat dinner until I tell you why I came. And he begins to tell him about what he prayed. And then he tells him the answer was given before I even finished speaking, it was Rebecca who showed up. And so this is Laban's response. The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either good or bad. Here is Rebecca before you. Take her and go. Let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. Well, you know, it sounds like he just gave her away, and she didn't have a choice. But listen, it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard the words that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself down, and he gave her jewelry and gifts. And uh, that would probably get you to come along, wouldn't it, Chris? <laughs> I couldn't resist. She just told me about jewelry. Okay, here we go. <laughs> and he and the men who were with him ate and drank, stayed all night. Then they rose in the morning, and he said, send me away. And they said, well, couldn't she just stay a little longer? And he said, do not hinder me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. So they said, now we're hearing a lot about women's rights. How many of you have heard a little bit about women's rights? We got women marching everywhere. Um, you know, that we had a huge number of women marching. I'm not sure what all they were marching about, but their signs certainly did not represent me. Then we had women marching pro-life this week. Well, this is what it says. So they, they said, he, he said, don't hinder me. So they said, we will call the young woman and ask her personally. Everybody say, we do have rights. And then they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. You know, when God puts something together, then everybody knows it's God. You know, when Pastor Bill got my name in the night uh, and, and he had prayed and asked God, uh, if I can be married, you bring the person to me. If I'm not to be married, then, you know, I'll just remain single. And God gave him my name at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, It wasn't a name because of other circumstances in the past that he probably would have thought, really? I mean, her? But but everybody say, God knows. God knows. And so, you know, all those mistakes I made, I don't really know. I can't go back there. I know it was never God's will that my children would not be raised by their father. But I don't know what all was going to happen there. I don't know how that whole thing works. I just know that God gave them 
a good father to take care of him and raise him. I know that God put us together for a, a purpose, that there was a purpose and that we had to do it together. And that so when God knows about these things, then we're in a position if we ask. Everybody say, if we ask, God will tell us. I am convinced in this arena. I know all my children are married to the right person. I know they are because uh, I asked God, you know, when, when John was young and he decided he was, he was going with a girl and I have to tell you, I mean, I prayed, uh, God, I'm not sure. I don't think that's the right one. We, we need help over here. Uh, you know, we need lots of help, right? Lord, we need more of the help than, you know, God, we really do. You see? And, uh, and so uh, this is the truth. He went from being with one girl to the friend of the girl who happened to be Elizabeth, who I wasn't sure about because she was real quiet. The only time I saw her, she came to my house, sit in the rocking chair, had a black coat, had her hair hanging down. I thought, oh, boy, that's the other one's friend. And then in a church service, this is the truth. She came down front to be prayed for, and I was sitting right there. And I recognized her as one of John's friends. So I felt like God said, go and pray for her. So I got out of my seat, and I went up there. It was on a night service. On a Sunday night, I went up. She was at ORU. He was at ORU. Started praying for her. Billy Joe said, I want all of you to go back behind the curtain and pray with the people that you're praying with. Now, he didn't do that all the time. So I go back there with Elizabeth, and uh, she's, see, I'm behind her. Now she turns around, it's me. And she did have a startled look on her face. I will have to, <laughs> I will have to say she did. And so Elizabeth and, Elizabeth and I go behind the curtain. And she sits down. And I said, what can I pray for you? She said, well, I need to quit drinking and smoking. I thought, oh, hallelujah. Because, so, I, I mean, I never drank, but I did smoke. So I have compassion, you know. But I'm thinking, she's running with John, and he's trying to tell me he isn't smoking. And he's a, he's a bartender and tell me and then drinking. And God's saying he's drinking like a fish and he's not a server. He's a bartender. And now I got the girl here and she's drinking, smoking. And I'm thinking, how's come I'm back here, God? I'm, I don't think I'm the right one. And she said, and you need to pray for your son too because he's doing it too. <laughs> Everybody's drinking and smoking, wearing cowboy boots, a cowboy hat and dancing country. And, you know, I'm thinking I'm on the front row of the church, and this is all going on. Thank God he doesn't live in my house anymore. Well, he did kind of live in my house off and on. And so I prayed with her. And uh, so John, the next week he comes in my office, he goes, Mom, I know who I'm supposed to marry. And I'm thinking, oh, thank you, God, because God's told us to move back to Lafayette. And he's with that other girl that I, that I knew he wasn't supposed to marry. But he goes, it's Elizabeth. I thought, you know, I don't know. I mean, so I took my dog and went for a walk. I can tell you where I was in the park. I said, God, I got to know. Now I got to know because I'm leaving this boy behind. And he kind of, you know, he kind of likes to be with me. And I cannot leave him with someone that is not going to be the right one for him. And instantly God said to me, she is a godly woman. Her mother's trained her from a child. She is the one. Never have questioned that my son isn't married to the right person. Matthew, I know he's married to the right person. I know Lori's married to the right person because I just love that Joey. <laughs> he is just the best. I've already said when I get old, it's Joe who's going to take care of me. <laughs> I've watched the boys, and I've decided Lori and Joe might be the ones. <laughs> oh, Elizabeth's liable to have me out there doing that uber driving or something um you know so you, everybody say this god knows god knows who you are he knows where you are he knows who you should be married to he knows who your children should marry it's not but but this is the way we do it in the new covenant you know in the new covenant god said in hebrews chapter 8 i will now write the law on their heart so we don't have this same thing where we go and pick somebody and say, you're going to marry this person. But by the Spirit, everybody say, by the Spirit. By the Spirit, we can say it. By the Spirit, we can pray it. By the Spirit, we can speak it. 
And then we can know it because God has told us. And then when kids run into problems in their families, we can say, oh, no, you don't, devil. Are you getting this today? See, you can't fortify something that you don't know. You can't fortify something that you think is God. If they've married the wrong person, then we're not praying them out of that marriage. We're praying they all get right with God, and God will do the same thing in that house. I know that because I have a wonderful husband, and I made a lot of messes in my life. But God, because I honored God, I'm telling you that's the only reason, has nothing to do, I really believe this, with my faith because I didn't have any. Now, I think I believe the word of God. We need to walk by faith and not by sight. But when we don't know, God knows. And when we honor God, God will take care of us and make a way for us. Now, I want, you to, I want to close with this. Ephesians, it's Ephesians 3. And uh, when I was by myself in Tulsa, this is the prayer God had me pray over myself. God told me that I was in Tulsa, that was in 1979, for God to heal me and for my family. And... Um, that what God was going to put in me would help rescue my family. I didn't get to be around my family for a long time. But ultimately, we came back here and started this church. And my dad, my mom, you know, my, my sisters, all of my family are saved. And I thank God for that. You know, I don't have to be concerned they're going to miss heaven. So this is a prayer that he had me pray. And I want you to notice what it says. It's Ephesians 3.14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family, everybody say the whole family. See, we are all in the family of God, so we're all related. Because we all have the Holy Spirit in us. And that's why when you're around other Christians or part of your Christian family, they know when you're upset with them by the Spirit. People of the spirit know when people are talking about them because we're spirit. We understand the spirit world. We, we are uh, able to discern things that the world cannot discern. We're able to know things that the world cannot know. But it goes on and it says, this, the, and this is the foundation of our covenant, that, that um, the whole family in heaven, earth, his name, that he would grant my noise. I, I write through mine and put me according to the rich of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. The, uh, the anointed one, Christ, may dwell in my heart through faith that I, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length, with, with length, depth, and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that I may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think according to the power, the Holy Spirit that works in me, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. We all belong in this family. Uh, in your own house, everybody belongs in this family. Besides just being born into your house, they belong to God. They're, they're a part of God's family. And so we all have the responsibility to be that chosen generation, that holy priesthood, that the people of God that have been delivered out of darkness and brought into the light. For what reason? To glorify God, to glorify God. I believe that when this last election happened, something sobering happened to me. And, it, and, and I'm praying for our president. I'm praying for the people that are in authority because that's, that's my authority that I have in Jesus but the answer to this world is not President Trump. The answer for the United States is not President Trump. The answer for us individually is Jesus. The answer for our families is for us to take the position that God has given us in that family and begin to bring that family into order. You may be here today and your family is scattered. There's things that are going on. There's no, different, no distance in prayer. And the fact that you are a believer gives you authority to speak over your house, whether they're in the house or outside the house. But what we have to begin to do is what Kelly said earlier, and that's to leave all the negativity behind. Are you hearing me? I shared a message on a Wednesday night that we have to choose to forgive people and let them go in order for God 
to touch them. We cannot hold on to them. If we hold on to them, then, then the situation will only get worse. We can't talk about what people have done. We can't rehearse what people have done. I felt like God told me this year, don't be listening to negative reports. So if you start telling me a negative report and I stop you, it's because God told me, don't let them talk negative. Talk the word. Everybody say, talk the word. And the word is future. The word is future. It's, you can't go back there and f- change the past. The word is future. And so when we begin to speak over our families the truth of the word of God, we begin to live what it, the old covenant asked us to live, which we're asked to do in the new covenant as well. It's just that we have now the power. Everybody say the power. We don't just have the word, which the old covenant people did have, but we have power because the Holy Spirit lives in us. So there's no reason that the homes of Christians cannot be brought to such a degree of light that darkness will have to bow its knee. And that's what has to happen in our nation. The light has to shine brighter than the darkness. And that's why we have a divided nation. There's a lot of darkness. I saw some of those signs that were in those marches in Washington. My sister was there. A real spirit of anger, a real spirit of hate, a real spirit of division and strife. But when the light rises up, the darkness has to bow. And that's the way it should be for your family. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you that it's true. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God of all creation. So whether people are doing right or wrong, good or bad, in our sight, we are called. We are the people of God. We are called to call those things that are not as if they were. We are called to for to call to profess unity and not division and strife. We are called to walk by grace, which is your unmerited favor and your ability to fix things that we cannot fix. And we are called to operate in love. Number one, the love of God is the foundation of your house. Now, I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that this is a day where we're leaving everything of the past behind. I don't, I mean, whatever happened, happened. But you can't build on what happened. You have to build where you are now. Start again. And God will help you start over. No question. But you cannot meditate what's behind. You can't talk about what people are doing back there or what they did back there. And you can't talk about them today in what they're doing. You have to talk about what God wants them to be doing. Not what we see, but what we know the Word of God is. And so I want to I pray today that... Um, that this is a day in your life, basically, of a new beginning of moving forward and letting go of anything, anything in your mind. Like Kelly was saying at worship, that was the Holy Spirit of God. Today is a day for negativity, for things of the past to be set aside. And then God will start repairing the breach. But if there's a rehearsal every day and a talking of those things, whether it's you talking them to yourself or you talking them to someone else. We're going to change our confession in this church that everybody we know has a purpose. They have a destiny, and we're speaking their purpose and not what we see. Father, I pray over every person here today in Jesus' name. I just want you to, Kelly had you do it earlier, but I want you to bow your heads again and say, God, I want my house to be fortified. What negative thought am I thinking? Maybe it's about a daughter. Maybe it's about a son. Maybe it's, you know, things that, that you just see and they just pop out your mouth. God is going to begin to change that. There will be a, something on the inside that says, don't say that. Don't do that. If you're willing for God to take that place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father, that our seed is blessed. You said that the nations would be blessed by us. And it may not be us that does it. It may be our seed that does that. I thank you for all those orphans that are over there in the Sudan that that people in this church are taking care of. Those, those are people in God's house that you're taking care of. And we pray over them, just like we pray over our own house, that that seed will prosper. And that seed will grow. And they will be all God's called them to be. I thank you, Father, for every person in this church 
that their families are blessed. I know, Lord, last week you said pray love, grace, and unity over every family. And we did pray that over all the people that were here. And, and I prayed it over all the people who weren't here that call this place Victory Christian Center their home. Because in this house this year, families are going to be fortified. People are going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And our confession is going to be what God says. And that we are going to speak it day and night. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for blessing each person that's here this morning. I thank you that this is a day of new beginnings. I want everybody to say this. Today, I purpose in my heart to speak only what God says. I purpose to speak it all day at any encounter that needs healing, that needs help, that is a problem. I will confess and speak the word of God and not what I see. I thank you that in my house, we serve the Lord, regardless of what my children think, with their natural mind, I speak to them spiritually. I declare over them that they love God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, and with all their might. And I declare that they will follow Jesus all the days of their life. And that in my house, they will see me as the example that they need to see. I thank you, Lord, with my friends who have situations. I will help them see that there is an answer. I will speak the word. I will encourage with the word. And I will tell them God has a plan and a purpose. And you will overcome in Jesus' name. The words of my mouth and my meditations will be acceptable in your sight, Lord. And perfect peace will reign in my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Go and be blessed. A lot of families are going to be put back together. Kids coming home. Things happening. I believe it in Jesus' name.